0: Good afternoon and welcome to Eco-Activist Journeys. My name is Leah Wyman and I'm a third year uh, at St. Andrews studying Sustainable Development and International Relations. And it's also my third year hosting a radio show. Yeah, if it's your first time tuning in, feel free to log on to the Buzzbox um, via um, yeah via the Star website. And then you can also comment and join the discussion, ask any questions if you have any um, yeah, today we're going to discuss human rights, environmentalism, as well as like climate justice and activism. And I'm joined in the studio by um, Amnesty St. Andrew's president, Kat. Hello. Kat, would you like to introduce yourself, um, say where you are, what do you study, how do you get involved in Amnesty?
1: Yeah, lovely. So uh, I'm Kat. Hello. Uh, I'm a third year uh, medieval history student, which isn't usually what goes hand in hand with sort of environmentalism or human rights you know we're usually full of uh IR students so that's nice um but yeah so this is my sort of fourth year being here at St Andrews um and I'm the president of the Amnesty International Society so we're basically just a human rights charity we have 7 million members worldwide it's a nice global organization um and yeah just just a big activist group basically yeah so How did you
0: originally get involved in Amnesty? How come you decided to join?
1: Well, um, I think for me, it just sort of went hand in hand with getting more politically engaged generally, really. Um, So before I came to university, I hadn't really heard much about Amnesty as an organisation, what they'd done. Um, Obviously, I'd sort of heard the name because they're on the news fairly often, um, but didn't really know much about them. Um, So honestly, just went along to the Freshers' Fair and thought, oh, they seem quite friendly and they had a lot of puns. Um, And he described it as sort of joining the famnesty. And I was like, well, that's good enough for me. Um, And yeah, went along and basically I realised pretty quickly that this was something which was kind of greater than anything that I'd been involved in before in terms of actually being quite impactful. Um, So Amnesty does a lot of work on um, sort of releasing prisoners who are victims of torture or any kind of sort of violation of their own human rights so for me it was just a nice learning curve um and I was able to see real sort of physical changes of the kind of work that I was doing so yeah it was really rewarding and just kind of encouraged me to carry on I guess.
0: Yeah it's really nice as well because I mean Amnesty's like this year especially recognised a new focus on um climate justice and that's uh, sort of the relation between yeah. the climate and um yeah human human rights but how come did that like transition how did it come to that occur?
1: Yeah I mean um this was a, a very sort of gradual process, actually. Um, I think it was sort of towards the end of last year, the committee got together um, and started thinking about what sort of theme for the year we were going to look at. Um, and Adam, the, the vice president, who's also my flatmate, so hello. Um, yeah, he, he actually came up with the idea of sort of looking at climate change and biodiversity and how these kinds of issues, which are really sort of prominent within the, um, the current sort of political discourse, would be relevant to human rights so over the summer we just sort of started investigating and realised pretty quickly um, that this was something that we could really make a a big statement about and there's so much we can do even within St Andrews as I'm sure Leah says every week um, <laughs> so yeah it was just something that we thought this is something that we can we can really get involved in it's something that everyone is affected by um because I mean, human rights, they're everywhere, everyone deserves them, everyone is entitled to them. Um, and unfortunately, climate change is such a pressing, pressing issue um, that so many people are, are at risk of having their rights sort of really violated. So, yeah, it's definitely relevant for the kind of work that we do. Mm.
0: And do you see sort of that like transition more to focus on some of like the climate justice issues as well um, within the international um, agenda of um, amnesty or is it more like you as a group here decided let's focus on it?
1: Yeah, well, it was actually really funny. Um, Once we decided our theme for the year, we sort of messaged the, the big amnesty group about it and they said, well, that's a really funny coincidence because we've just decided that that's going to be our sort of um, big, big campaign, actually. So it was really fortunate for us because now there are so many resources out there that Amnesty can, can give us and are yeah. so able to to help us with everything that we're doing. Um, but yeah, so even on a local scale, you know, we're obviously a student group and we're, we're doing what we can in St. Andrews and within the university. Um, But it's nice to know that there is a big structure and a framework to do that globally as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like, why would you say, you know, for example, like people who've been involved with Amnesty, uh, obviously Amnesty does a lot of amazing things, um, especially with regards to human rights. But how come do you know, how do you think it's, why is it so important that people are also involved in like human rights and and Amnesty's broader mission Mm -hmm. um, be involved with climate activism?
1: Yeah, well, for me, um, it's a question of sort of, things that we take for granted um and a lot of the time when you think about human rights you think about you know right to freedom of speech and housing and food and security and freedom from persecution um and a lot of people take these sort of things for granted myself included a lot of the time you know i don't wake up every day and think oh let me check my list of human rights and which ones are being infringed upon and which ones aren't um but i think it, it all boils down to um, just basic human dignity, and I think that's what Amnesty is so keen to preserve. Um, so you know, just from a sort of empathetic level, if you're if you have the the position to make a change and spend hours volunteering or do what you can, then I think everyone has a kind of obligation to do so. And um, yeah, I think that that's definitely linked to to climate change um, or climate breakdown. I think is is probably a better better word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of there are so many people that are having their human rights taken away right now. So even things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, um, you know, like your culture and mm-hmm. your culture often getting stripped away entirely with sea levels rising and in- indigenous populations getting displaced and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's so multifaceted but um, basically every single one of your human rights is at risk of being infringed upon yeah. with climate change.
0: I think it's um, it's so important to sort of realise how, especially something like climate change almost links everything together, because since we live on the earth, like whatever we do on it is kind of related to the world we live in and, you know, the climate and um, natural disasters, um, or also scarcities. I mean, something like water is something we take so so for granted. Like mm-hmm. we don't think in the morning we stand up and think about, you know, water on a day-to-day basis but as soon as you sort of realize how realize some scarcity around it i know um when there was the water crisis for example in cape town and there was such a scarcity around um using water that it was just it you got into the scene that into that mindset of you knew it was something so precious you would only like be very careful if you put the tab on or if you um yeah showered in like buckets using that water like flush the toilet Mm -hmm. and knowing that people actually there's only a limited amount of water and that there are people who can't, like, access that water. And then when you come into, like, Western countries, like in Europe where we have a lot of water, it's just, like, it's such a like, extreme to suddenly realise that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, we don't really think about like that when we mm-hmm. like, washing our hands or, like, yeah, just taking water. And it's, it's so strange to realise, yeah, to realise how in, in how unequal it is in the world that, you know, we sometimes take so many things like for granted um, that other people are really, really struggling with. It's
1: it's just so strange to think about, isn't it? When you, you really have to sort of check your, your privilege, I think a lot of the time, because there are, I think the average walk for water in a third world country is somewhere between four and six kilometres. And that's a journey that people are taking every day. Um, And when, you know, Uh, Like, I'm guilty of when I I wake up in the morning and think, oh, I've got to go to the library. It takes so long, you know, a 15-minute walk from my house. um, And, you know, that's just such a first world problem, I guess. And I think that's why climate change is so interesting is because it's something that affects everyone, but to vastly different degree. And then it becomes more of a a question of sort of... um, resource allocation and it becomes a lot more political very very quickly Mm. um and what kind of obligation different countries have and governments what's the role of the individual the Mm. consumer um you know who is the impetus on to actually make change and facilitate it It's, it's really really complicated and there are no um easy fixes and i think that's why it's important to to get involved with activist organizations and really do what you can um and fix your own small corner of the world first and then look further. And Mm -hmm. if everyone did that, we wouldn't have a problem.
0: Yeah. But then there's also, uh, obviously, it will affect all of us, but to realise, you know, that around the world, there are actually already people who are affected by climate change Mm -hmm. who are having to deal with, like, the real consequences of it, of rising sea levels, of um, droughts, of flooding, um, of cyclones or storms hitting people. And it's really really contrary like I feel like it's such a highlighting the fact that you know human rights and environmental rights are so interlinked in the sense that you know we can't really yeah whatever you know what if that you know if if something happens to in the environment that has a a direct effect on like the rights of humans so yeah how how come how when did you kind of first realize you know sort of that you're passionate like about the environment there's something you
1: well, you I think about. well, for me it was it again it was a really really gra- gradual process. Um, you know, I was lucky enough that my my parents kind of instilled into me a, a natural sort of respect for the environment. So I spent a lot of time outside when I was mm. growing up. Um and it was only really when I went to university and became again like I say more politically engaged and also more more aware of of Amnesty's kind of campaigns and that sort of thing that I started looking further Um, And looking at my own sort of patterns as a consumer and what I could be doing differently. Um, You know, I I only became vegetarian, I think, maybe two years ago or that sort of thing. So Mm. it's just a case for me of of education. And the more I learn about it, the more I feel obligated to do something, as I'm sure a lot of people find. Mm. Um, And for me, it was definitely a case of kind of um, anxiety surrounding climate change that really initially drove me forward. And I think it's only recently that that I've taken a more kind of um, hopeful approach to everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm looking into it because I'm passionate about making a change and being the best environmentalist I can be. Um, and one thing that really struck me actually recently was I was watching an interview of, I think his name's Jack Carries. So he was a spokesperson for Extinction Rebellion. Um, and he was on the BBC and he basically was talking about the fact that... Um, there's so much fear of hypocrisy within mm. environmentalism that people yeah. often feel too afraid to actually make changes because they're scared of being called a hypocrite.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a big like problem because sometimes people don't... Because obviously people start to think, you know, if I can't do everything, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't like... Either I can't classify as like an environmentalist or I can't do anything because I'm also doing something else. And I think it's so important to realise that, you know... I think what Extinction Rebellion is quite good in highlighting is that, you know, we live in this kind of toxic system Mm -hmm. that almost makes it inevitable that whatever, what we do will in some way have an impact and that we are also bound to some structures. Uh, That doesn't mean that, you know, individually we can't, like some things that we do can't make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be wrong to just say, oh, well, the government needs to change. We don't need to do anything because I feel like as a society, we also need to be able to say, okay, we're actually ready for these changes and we like ready to have lifestyle changes that are going to be quite massive Um, but then at the same time also saying you know yeah just just not like having that judgmental mm-hmm. um, aspect behind it but yeah what I found quite interesting as well is that some people actually don't really want to find out more this is sort of like almost like this dissonance because the more you know the more you mo- feel exactly. like morally obliged to do something mm-hmm. but then some people really just don't want to know and don't want to know how like severe it actually is
1: yeah i mean it's the same thing for me you know i i'd been hearing all my sort of vegan friends talking for a really long time about the um the documentary called Cowspiracy, Mm -hmm. and i was petrified to watch it because you know i'm a i'm a vegetarian i'm not a vegan i thought to myself oh god if i if i commit to to watching this then i'm just gonna have to be vegan i don't know if i'm ready to to make that step up Um, So even on a minor level, I think even people that are that are really interested and passionate about something only have so much they can they can give. And I think it is such a systemic problem. You know, it's something that the the government does need to fix. So I think for me, it's just a a question of basic supply and demand. Um, If enough people are showing that there is a demand for change, um, then the the government has a duty to supply it in the same way that, you know, a consumer, if they go to the supermarket and and buy all sort of vegetarian or vegan products and they're they're increasing demand for them and that creates a gradual change
0: yeah I think yes I think that is important while at the same time is also very I think the more I've like looked into like um, climate change regulation and policies how important it is actually is to have have some regulation and have um, institutions and governments actually put in place like actual measures yeah. instead of just putting it onto the individual and saying, oh, well, you are responsible for your own, like for saving the planet sort of thing. And then I feel like that kind of also gave a little bit rise like a few decades ago to like that whole thing of like, oh, like save the planet, don't use a plastic bag, save the planet and recycle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, these are like important things that you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, just from a respect for like nature point mm-hmm. of you obviously you should recycle not just throw things out into the environment but it's ridiculous to say that you know that will kind of save the planet exactly. um and sort of having that discussion around you know how can we actually like yeah do our things on our own level but then also yeah mm-hmm. push for those bigger changes um but yeah yeah I mean, yeah it's, it's it's exciting to know that you know amnesty is um, it's also like we're looking yeah. at ways to do things this year. Um, as a short music break, before we go into more of like the plans are for this year and, you know, what actually can be done on level um, locally, but also internationally. I'm going to play the song Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, because I think that will fit quite well with what we just talked about. So I hope you enjoy. Make that change. And back we are. So talking about make the change, how do you think amnesty, you know, what kind of role does amnesty have in like addressing issues like climate change? And how is it actually also, yeah, a good structure to work within mm-hmm. the problem?
1: Well, I think um, a big part of it is, is looking at the kind of structure that amnesty itself has as an organisation. So um, the way it's organised in St Andrews, for example, we have uh, our committee and a couple of subcommittees that, we, that we're sort of setting up now to deal with more sort of environmental issues um, but we're part of a, a bigger group called the um, the Student Action Network. So there's, I think, maybe 60 mm. different universities which have Amnesty groups. So we all work together. That feeds back into Amnesty, the bigger organization. Um, and so it's, it's very much a sort of uh, integration between like small groups, local groups, um, and the big sort of charity itself as we know it. So it's really useful in a way having this sort of framework already in place because it means that, issues which, which come up um, sort of globally, you're able to, to distribute really quickly and really effectively. Um, and I think one of the ways that amnesty works a lot of the time is to do with short-term campaigning. Um, so in terms of setting goals and that sort of thing, I think it's often useful with environmentalists and to have, have short-term goals which are achievable and, and building upon this and, and building a gradual movement. Um, so I think amnesty itself, the, the framework it already has, it is very well um, suited to environmental activism. I think it's just a case of sort of gradually changing um, opinions towards environmentalism and making those who have been part of amnesty for sort of 40 years or so, who have, who have always been involved with this kind of traditional aspect, which is, you know, um, helping people who have been persecuted or helping asylum seekers, that sort of thing. Um And changing their attitudes to look towards more sort of longer term kind of issues that maybe you don't initially realise are part of human rights. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely an ongoing process. But I think Amnesty has the potential to be really, really effective.
0: Mm. I think it's also um, so important to actually like have goals that, you know, and campaigns that are working on um, what is happening right now and working on how can we create a change like immediately right now as well as that fitting into the broader framework and how can we cause the systematic change, you know, on a bigger level. Um, and yeah, I think we were um, just speaking about how, um, especially with, um, you know, some of the climate targets and goals um, are often set on quite long-term measures of within 10 or 20 or 30 years. And uh, I mean, even within yeah, even within five years, there's this like danger with them um, in politics, you know, um, politicians are reelected, you know, parties are on a rotating basis mm-hmm. often as well um and how to actually ingrain those sort of values into the system that you know just through the next leader that not all of that work is like cut down again yeah. and i think that's a real challenge within environmental governance on the global yeah. sector
1: i think it's a really really difficult balancing act um looking at sort of setting goals which are ambitious but also um achievable and so for me the biggest the biggest question is um net zero uh, carbon emissions by 2025. I think even though the UK government has declared a climate emergency, we're seeing very, very little going towards this goal. Um, Mm. And I don't know if that's a case of transparency or if maybe they're preoccupied with other things like Brexit, (laughs) Uh, but we won't get into that. Um, I think, yeah, it's difficult because I'm not sure currently if 2025 is a realistic target. and I think it's, it's difficult for politicians because there's a lot of public pressure for this kind, of, um, uh, this kind of change, but not really the infrastructure at the moment to deal with it. Mm. So, you know, I think if anything, I think Extinction Rebellion, groups like Amnesty, they should all be pushing for um, really, really ambitious targets, because even if the government doesn't achieve them, God forbid, um, even though I, I hope that they will, I think it's really important that puts more pressure. On yeah, them. it's more pressure and we're here to hold people accountable. Yeah. Um, I mean that's that's the basis of of activism, yeah. But, you know, and, raising attention and 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 putting the pressure on governments, mm. maintaining the pressure and then holding them accountable if they don't meet the targets. Mm. I actually think, you know,
0: like targets like 2025 or 2030 actually do need to like be set even and even maybe longer term goal ones. I mean, that's already longer term, but um actually also having targets within like terms of office mm-hmm. of leaders. Because that way you can actually hold them accountable for what they need to do rather than just them passing it on to someone yeah. else again and then passing it on. And then in the last year being like, oh, well, it was just way too little time. And I think especially the whole concept around time, so sometimes it frustrates me a bit because obviously, yeah, we do have to have such major changes at the moment. And that is difficult in the current structure but also, like, this is an issue it's been learned about for so long. Like, mm-hmm. targets been set for 2020. Like, I mean, I don't know how many of these targets we're reaching for next year. They've just been pushed out 2030, and it's pushed out again. And um, it's just been a problem of that. It's not, like, actually been um, worked on. And that's why I think setting actual goals is so important together with, um, yeah, with, like, emergence, like, emergency declarations nevertheless i do think it's so important because like if you say it's an emergency you're actually also supposed to um you know act on as if it (laughs) is an emergency uh which makes me wonder why you know i mean obviously there's like some criticism about like oh well what's the point of like carrying an emergency climate emergency like everyone knows it's a climate emergency Mm -hmm. it's like well yes but if you declare it That means you recognize you have the responsibility to do something now, Mm -hmm. which is why I think it's like really like hugely frustrating from like university perspective that, you know, the University of St. Andrews is not Taking a stance on, and I, I am calling them out here. Uh, taking a stance Matt's on. Day. we're coming. <laughs> well, also, uh, many of the, the you know senior in the senior management. I I don't know exactly where you know what the pressure point is of mm-hmm. why why they're not doing it. Um, and it's strange because obviously we did the petition, yeah. Um, which got like a lot of signatures. Ones mm-hmm. one thousand seven hundred, I think, in total. And yeah. I think it's it's even got a bit more of um, people signed up later as well. And then there was this, you know, this promise of like, yeah, we're discussing it, we're doing it. And then, I mean, I just found out this week as well that it's probably something that is just being pushed on under again for not being done. Mm-hmm. And that's just so hugely frustrating um, because... Yeah, I understand, like, the whole thing. Well, it's not about declaring, it's finding solutions. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm all for finding solutions. We need to find solutions, but we also need to, like, actually take the commitment publicly and say we're declaring this so that we can take steps.
1: I think it's weird as well. Like, I don't know if the university actually commented on the, the strike action at all. Did they release any kind of official statements? I mean, oh, to, to they, my knowledge.
0: Um, yeah, they did. They did um, speak about um, the the line in the sand and the strike. Mm-hmm. And they did say... Like, like publish like their support of it um on their website as well, but um which also, yeah, it kind of confuses me as well that now, um even though I mean I do recognize that as a university, we do do a lot of environmental things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we're not perfect by any by any means and our sustainability rating among universities is is pretty far down, like mm-hmm. there's so many universities in the u k that up a lot higher and I mean it's great that we've obviously as a university got like you know that new like declared like yeah. thing about you know we're the best university the UK I don't know which yeah and stuff like that but from you know from what perspective you know we we'll, you know have obviously we're missing sort of a sustainability mm-hmm. target as well and I think we have such an opportunity to actually do so because we such a small town. Mm-hmm. I think we have such an opportunity to become leaders in like climate action.
1: Yeah. And there's so much that, that we can be doing here as well. And I mean, this is one thing that we've been working together with this year in regards to Amnesty um, and lots of other environmental groups. Um, you know, we've, we've really just got to collaborate and, and I think it's, it's to do with, again, setting realistic goals, doing, doing what we can. Um, and, and, just making the university really pushing them to be more transparent about what they're doing. Um, I think that's one of the the biggest problems. Is there's so much going on behind the scenes um, that that's really sort of make or break for the university's environmental policy, like the Kenley Wind Farm, which I'm sure mm. we'll, we'll talk about in more detail. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe we can we can also talk about because obviously we want to sort of talk about you know what we can do locally. Uh, maybe broadening that out, you know, what mm-hmm. what can be locally done in general. But um, I think actually starting with what you can do here or, like, wherever, like, you are is so important because it does have an effect on, like, the broader world. I mean, our air pollution and what we do here is affecting sea levels and ice caps melting somewhere else. Yeah. So to say that, you know, we can't do something here because the other people doing it, something is something is a bit ridiculous because otherwise everyone's always going to be like oh but there's someone else doing even worse things than us I mean that's that's just ridiculous yeah. there's, nothing's going to get done if like that sort of mindset finger
1: pointing yeah like, yeah it's, it's just a problem with the discourse in general isn't it really yeah
0: and I feel like that's a big problem with environmental like discourse as mm-hmm. well because it's always like well but they aren't doing anything why should we do something <laughs> sort of thing and I'm like it's such a it's such a weird thing to say as well because I mean through addressing environmental issues you're also addressing human rights issues you're also address, addressing equity and other things you know yeah so it's just addresses so many things about how as a society we could be could be evolving into something yeah. better
1: it's just horrible to think about the fact that there are people literally dying everywhere um, you know I think the what was the number between twenty thirty and twenty fifty You know, there are estimated millions and millions of people that are going to be dying each year just because of climate change. Mm. Um, And instead, when governments are talking about these kinds of problems, they're not humanizing people. They're looking Mm, at it from a perspective of numbers. You know, this is how much money um, it would take. You know, this is how how our, our economy would suffer if we switched to renewables. We don't have the infrastructure for reforestation all these kinds of weird debates going on, which, which take away from the main issue and, and that's people. And the the job of a government, the same with the, the university really, mm. is to represent its, it's
0: people. Its yeah. people.
1: And the thing with, with St Andrews as well, just bringing it back to local activism is, we are essentially the university's customers. You know, mm-hmm. we pay to use the facilities, well, a lot of us do, mm. not the Scottish students. Um, um, but you know, we we need to be represented by the body that we're that we're paying to to be a part of, and I think the government, in the same way, the university, they they have a duty to to listen to pop, popular pressure and, and big movements. So the more we make our voices heard here, that's basically the best thing that we can do. Mm. Um, and starting at university level, that's a really really good starting point. Um, and if we can get St. Andrews, the university to declare a climate emergency, that's one more university in the UK, which means other universities yeah. are going to be pressured to do the same. And it's just a big co- kind of domino effect. Yeah, so and I think also backing for. that
0: up with, you know, with actual targets and mm-hmm. with discussing about like, what can we actually do? Not just saying, oh, there's a problem, but also saying we recognise there's like a critic problem and we need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was also want to say about... Um, yeah, about the just the the, the systems of um, of us pushing for change is. ah, um, oh, it's up my mind, but. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just so important to look at, you know, those um, those those ways that we can like locally have an impact that has like a broader effect. Mm-hmm. And we always need leaders. And if some place starts doing really great things, that is inspiring for other places to be like, oh, well. They did it, we did it. Oh, yeah, what I wanted to say is at the moment, I feel like governments and even institutions are, to a larger extent, actually not serving the people that they should be serving. You know, government Mm -hmm. should be serving its citizens. Um, Institutions should, yeah, universities should be serving, you know. yeah. Also, also our interest, and our future interest, especially for universities, you know, they're preparing us for our future, and I feel like that responsibility includes actually making sure we have a future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, it's actually only serving a lot of, um, yeah, um, industri- industri- industrial like interest um, and um, profits and money, mm-hmm. and in the end of the day, you know, none of us like will be able to eat money <laughs> if there's something <laughs> else left. <laughs> So, and what
1: does money grow on
0: trees? There's yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: not going to be many of those left at the rate we're going. So, yeah, yeah,
0: it's strange as well. Um, uh, it just reminds me of a quote that um, someone once sent me about: "Like, imagine if trees gave off Wi-Fi signals. Imagine how many trees we'd be planting." Yeah. Is such a sad
1: <laughs> fact. No, oh, it's just the the priorities at the moment. Are, yeah, kind of skewed. I think it's important to, to think about. What we what we can actually doing. So in terms of St Andrews, yeah, for example, um, you know Amnesty has a number of kind of campaigns that we're pushing for. So this semester, the biggest one that we're we're wanting to focus on is the Kenley wind farm. So this is um, basically a case yeah, where the context. university yeah. has has planning permission for a uh, a wind farm outside of St Andrews in um, Kenley. So that's up near Lucas. Um, and the the problem is there's, there's planning permission for it, but the Ministry of Defence have basically come out and said that it's too close to Lucas Airfield um, and it's going to disrupt their radars. Um, and as such, the university have halted all plans to, to do anything, despite the fact that there are very, very simple solutions and we just need to put basically a, an ele- electrical tape on the ends of the turbines, for example. It's so, so easy um, to fix, but because the university have left it so inactive and haven't challenged the ministry of defense or requested to extend their planning permission, um, this is going to expire in in 2020. So, you know, this is a really, really urgent case where, where in St. Andrews, we could have such a difference by just making, you know, a campaign to push the university, for example, to, to challenge the ministry of defense or extend their planning permission. um, and it would be enough energy to make the university entirely self-sufficient. Yeah. and potentially have a surplus for the rest of St. Andrews or um, providing local jobs, um, extra revenue for the Fife area. Like, it would be, it'd be absolutely huge, yeah. but there's no transparency and that's what we need to change. It's also really weird that actually a lot of... Um, oh, yeah,
0: I mean, a lot of people don't... Or some people don't really realise, you know, how many, like, new jobs are in renewable energy as well and mm. are actually some of these, like, projects. And, um, yeah, I think it's just um it's also one of those things that is a bit strange um because there are apparent solutions but then there's some hesitancy of actually like of actually like pursuing them or wanting to push it further it almost seems like it was a welcome drawback okay well, well then we're not going to do it sort of thing <laughs> um but um <laughs> i found that uh, quite interesting there was an article in the uh, in the curia which was sort of as a response to um you know the climate emergency declaration Mm. actually and it had um yeah it had our petition in there and um and then there was sort of the response that you know as a university uh we don't necessarily feel like it's not just about solving problems, but like, or describe, um, not about just describing problems, but solving them. And as a university, you know, we're like, have our Eden campus and we we have plans for a wind farm. And I'm like, oh, this is cool you, that you're saying this in the, in the official declaration. Yes, yeah. the wind farm is there, but like, the planning is there, but like, what are we going to do with yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it's going to run out. It's, it's yeah. super urgent.
0: And, um, and I think there is—I mean, it, there are examples of actually other wind farms which have been put up in the area, despite yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, airfields. And I think Lucas Airfield is not as important anymore yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: it's, it's the past sort of five five years or so. Um, and and this remember, this planning permission is is not recent. This has been around for for ages and ages. Mm, um, yeah. So since it was initially declined by the Ministry of Defence, there have been big changes anyway, as uh, in terms of how often the airfield's used. Um, yeah, all kinds of things increase, You know, changes to the technology surrounding it. So, yeah, there's no reason why the university can't at least yeah. investigate.
0: I mean, I think what we're trying to say is that there is a way, and I think you can't just you can't say given you can't have no for an answer, mm-hmm. and we think like no is like okay next opportunity sort yeah, of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Because there are ways, and especially in this case, there are actually there is actually evidence that it can be. Um, can be pushed further it is a bit of a yeah sometimes it is a bit frustrating you know that there's so much um, that we students have to put as pressure behind it mm-hmm. um, because yeah sure we want to help and we want to ensure that we have a future as well but necessarily like just feel you know just as that as like an extra thing that you know it's put yes. onto us as a pressure as well
1: It'd be nice if the university were a bit more proactive. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, that th- that's another reason why it's important to be part of an activist group, whichever form it takes. Yeah. Because the more active you are, um, the more the university is going to get used to the yeah. fact that, that these are changes that people want to happen. So... Yeah, we're not going to have to do as much so yeah. more time for essays <laughs>
0: <laughs> um also actually activism you know there's just so much evidence around at the moment that activism really does work i mean acti- mm. all of our other activists response in fife and edinburgh and uh, yeah and the local areas have actually led to like five council declaring climate emergency and um you know other you know actually like people and organizations actually staking a stance mm-hmm. and doing things um and it it really does work, you know, um, pressure from citizens. Um, I mean, we just need to show that this is something that we want and that we want to push forward and and that there's always a way. And I think, especially with like local projects like this, it's important to, I feel like it's almost a good way, if, if you can't stand about things, like rather than just like being depressed or, not doing anything and yeah. not wanting to think about it, actually getting proactive and doing something about it because that's also going to feel mm-hmm. like
1: empowering yeah, and on a I personal found level. Personally, like my mental health has, has gone way up since my involvement with Amnesty because I've gone from being very kind of despairing and disenfranchised and not really knowing how to use my voice. You know, it's one thing, one person sending a, less, a letter to their politician. Uh, it's another thing entirely to... um to you know, be part of a big movement where everyone's getting together, shares the same concerns, and even just like on a sort of St. Andrew's level, having the opportunity to meet up with people who have the same concerns as you do and, and care the same amount mm. is so refreshing um, yeah, because you're not alone.
0: It's usually empowering to realise like how other people are actually also caring and wanting to do something. yeah. And if you that person who also cares and who actually also is committed to doing something, you know, that has a massive impact on the people around you or the people within the movement itself to mm-hmm. actually, like, inspire each other to do more. Um, but yeah, maybe what, what are the other things that we're looking at? For yeah, I mean, we year? have
1: we have so much on. I mean, we've done so much already. Um, and so the main thing that we're doing this year is our um, weekly discussion settings. So... Um, Every Tuesday, half past six, the rule. We all get together and we have usually a presentation. Um, First, we collaborate with other societies. Um, So, for example, we've done a a session on climate justice. We've had sessions on climate reparations. Um, So every week we have a slightly different topic. Um, So next week, for example, we've got an arts and activism. So we're collaborating Mm -hmm. with Inklight to look at um, kind of empowering yourself through other mediums like art and poetry Um, so that's one thing. Um, but we also have big campaigns coming up too. So, um, we've also got a a big push against, um, fast fashion. So in second Mm -hmm. semester, we're going to be having a fashion show, which is all sustainable fashion and, um, kind of tongue in cheek and kind of satirical. Um, but that should be super, super fun. Um, and as well as that, another sort of campaign to look at water instability. Um, a lot of people don't think that, the water crisis is something we have to worry about in Scotland in particular because mm. it's so wet um, without realising that there are, it's much more of a complex issue. So, for example, you've got the amount of energy it takes to clean water and convert water and, you know, saving water is important wherever you are, even if you think that you have tons of it. So, yeah, it's, it's all... Just very... raising awareness mm-hmm. is about
0: it as well, yeah. like actually making people aware that, you know, behind these problems, there are real people real livelihoods Mm -hmm. with like real suffering yeah and um you know as a as a human fellow human being we have a responsibility to sort of address that
1: yeah definitely so it's it's a lot of it is centered around education and raising awareness but yeah we're, we're really looking to setting very um logistical kind of concrete plans for what we want to change in saint andrews so yeah, stay up to date with us. On, yeah, on get get
0: involved. <laughs> get involved. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, that I think that's one of actually the most important lessons. Like I've never got involved in anything like regretted it afterwards. If it's something mm. you know that it is for a cause that is good, and if you care about something and you're willing to put in you know the effort, that is just it's like it's so empowering, especially if you're with groups of people. Who are also really passionate about doing something i think that's also hugely important yeah um but yeah it's very it's very good to know that you know um you know there are actual steps we as citizens and even as students can take to actually make a real difference i mean what a difference would that make if we as students now could have an impact on how people in st andrews in a few in 10 years or something will be able to like have electricity that is fully renewable or live, you know, have sort of um, campaigns and initiatives where um, can you can know uh, you can have a student sort of a student experience that is net uh, net net carbon. Mm-hmm. I mean, even things like carbon capture and like tree planting and things like that. This is something you know. I think as a university, you could also really yeah. look into
1: amnesty um, trees, amnesty yeah. Tree. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, look after this. There's <clears> been a discuss there There's been discussion actually. I'm um, having. Um, having a tree planting project in St Andrews and actually everyone who comes to university having trees for every Mm -hmm. person planted and also for to address you know trips and um, research that is like tree research trips that are taken things like flight to offset them with like tree planting locally and I mean that would be such feel like something so cool if you go and like plant yeah. a tree and
1: it's such a lasting a lasting impact yeah, as well you know I mean, you
0: have your tree yeah. in like in scotland
1: <laughs> it's just nice know. as well like when you think about these kind of campaigns that we're pushing for are very short term you know it's 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 not like um it shouldn't take years and years and years to get the university to, to listen to us but the impacts that we'd be having would be so long lasting it to me just seems like one of the most worthy things you can do as a, as a local activist you know yeah doing something which isn't going to take up so, so much of your time that is going to, you know, last for yeah. generations. Like, putting these foundations in place yeah. um, is really important. I think it's really about, like, having active hope. Mm-hmm. So hope, but, like, in an active
0: way so that you so you can see that something good can come out of what you can, like, put your effort in. Yeah. And I think even in St Andrews even like now I mean compared to last year there's so many more people already involved in environmentalism yeah. but even that you know even that we can grow so much more if as if like the university as a university students I feel like almost all yeah all of us should care about yeah about environment because we care about our future otherwise we wouldn't be studying here so hard for a future you know we, you know so it, it just makes sense to care mm-hmm. in some way about creating a better future or actually ensuring that we have yeah. a future so really everyone makes a difference and everyone would help if everyone can in some way you yeah. know put their voice forward and it, that's different for everyone you know
1: and it's like, yeah to paraphrase adam my flatmate he he said earlier that um environmentalism without activism is just gardening yeah <laughs> so i think you've you've really got to got to use your voice and and use your your opportunity you know you're you're a student at one of the best universities in the uk you know you're everyone is is so lucky to be in such a forward-thinking environment i think i've
0: got make use use of it yeah. yeah
1: exactly and and use the power that that you have and and really look at empowering others and that's again one of the biggest things that you can do is if you have a friend that's kind of on the fence (laughs) convert them I guess um it's all about raising awareness and and being practical and and that's so good not just for the kinds of changes you're going to be making but for you um on an on an individual level like I'm so much happier when I can see changes in place you know I feel so much less kind of despondent with things so there are so many benefits for, for being active and it's such a sense of community. Um, yeah. really would recommend getting involved.
0: Yeah. Um, before we come into our last section to kind of just like maybe highlight a few more things that are coming up for for um, listeners to get involved in. Um, and also if we have time, quickly discuss some like environmental news and um, kind of highlight a little bit about, you know, what's happening um, globally with like the Extinction Rebellion strikes. Um, but so, because we still have, we still have, um, yeah, I want to have like a little bit of a conclusion as well, um, around because it's just, there's so many things and realizing, you know, how environmentalism really links all of the social justice issues together. Um, yeah, I don't know. You want to say something about that as well.
1: Um, one of the, the biggest things that we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago at one of our discussion nights was the, a real sort of intersectionality of, human rights when it comes to social justice so when you think about climate change and how it's related to human rights um obviously you get initial kind of things like um you know people drowning and dying and their health getting you know impacted um but it's often easy to forget things like um the kind of gender issues and race issues within climate discourse so um, you know it's it's women who are going to be most affected mm. by climate change um yeah the people who've actually been like um pushed to the sidelines the mm-hmm. most like
0: are actually the one of the, the groups that are the most um yeah the most vulnerable yeah. groups
1: and real sort of marginalized yeah. communities too um so um you know black african americans you know in in the us are um, going to be impacted the most because um, they the live US, in yeah, yeah in the in the areas where um, you know they're they're living on the front lines essentially of these kinds of, of places. So yeah, all um,
0: indigenous communities.
1: Indigenous in general. communities getting displaced. Um, so yeah, there's there's far more to. Um, and
0: in women, especially, yeah. like if we're talking of things like water, like the women are the ones who often have to collect water and who have to walk, walk longer ways to get water.
1: Yeah, women are the ones that give up their food first. Um, when their families are starving women are the ones that have to provide the health care um you know when people are getting malaria because there's more water around Mm. and that sort of thing so it's really really complicated but important to to always bring it back to a human level um so if you're a feminist or you know that sort of thing then
0: yeah it relates yeah it
1: definitely relates
0: yeah um anyway because i'm really conscious that we um we are having, a, it's the end of the show and we have a next show coming up. Um, yeah, it's just, it's good to know, you know, that we it kind of interlinks all of the social justice issues and that if you care about, you know, social justice, you should also care about environmentalism and also becoming about an environmental mm-hmm. activist, even if that is in what your sphere of interest, of what you're interested in more and um, speaking up about that. And um, yeah, just getting involved. Yeah. Um, I actually did want to quickly have a news mention about um, what's happening in Extinction Rebellion. However, um, I think for the time being, it's good um, to, I think, to inform, to to just say, because um, it's the end of the show, to just say, you know, re, um, research more about it, because I know there's a lot of media misinformation about, you know, what Extinction Rebellion is doing and what they are, um, to, why they're doing what they're doing and sort of saying extremist. Um, views about them, um, and really realizing, you know, that how is actually highlighting our situation, um, the critical point of our situation. Actually, the point how very little action has been taken on a, on a, um, on our governmental level, and um, how actually we as um, citizens can do things to, mm-hmm. to make an impact. Um, so yeah, I just take like a little encouragement to actually go and research more about it, yeah. um, and research, you know, what it kind of means. Um, But yeah, just, I mean, our overall message is just to, you know, get involved and um, yeah, get involved with, if you're in St Andrews, get involved with the local groups, with Amnesty um, and or with other groups, you know, depending on what you're interested in, what area of environmentalism you're interested in um, to sort of, yeah, get your voice heard. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much, Kat, for joining me today for the radio show. It's been <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, I hope we can have another discussion sometime soon because there's still so many topics yes. that we can discuss. Um, maybe some more people from Amnesty can yeah, join well, next time as well. Yeah, thank you for
1: having me. It's been lovely.
0: Um, but, yeah, thank you for, um, for everyone who's tuned in. Um, yeah, for any further questions or to keep up to date as well with um, my future radio shows, you can follow my Facebook page, which is at Journeys. Um, yeah or instagram at ecoactivistjourneys journeys as well but yes thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed have a wonderful day